This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Uh, so, so this class has an interesting title. I was shocked when I saw it. I generally only look at my title right before I walk in to make sure I'm not preparing at all. Um, for all you guys, I know I just finished Shabbat Shabbat for my son in Borough Park, and it was like everyone from the Mechotonim side that had to speak. It was like had to be prepared, and then they were so nervous, and then they were not even communicating properly, and and uh, and so somewhere in all the awkwardness, you had to pick out what his point was. And it's just, it's not okay. Like if you got something to say, figure out what you got to say. Forget how you were going to say it, and get to your heart and just communicate something that people walk away with with something valuable because you love them and and would like them to get it and it's not just about you sounding smart which of course makes everyone choke anyway because they're so nervous so anyway but this was a funny title to see <laughs> I would never have thought of that how to um, I know why they wrote it but I know what the, what they want but it was uh, how to say no and feel like you said yes, which is a really funny title. Um, but before I start, I'd just like to take a poll. Um, do any? Please raise your hand, and you have to vote. There's no like sitting there going like, because your bones have been rattled by a two-hour drive instead of a one-hour drive. So my question is, how many people feel that that the plug has been pulled on the community, whatever community you're part of, since the last nine months. Or you either have that, like some plug's been pulled, or it's still, we're just got to go through this and it's going to get plugged back in. So, and everyone has to vote. You ready? Plug's been pulled. It's probably not getting back in. Something's going to have to happen, but it's not going to go back. So that's the first vote. Ready? Raise your hands for... Plugs pulled. Okay, very interesting. Very interesting. And uh, and then I'm gonna. F- I don't have to ask the other one because everyone's gonna vote. Oh, so three women. No other woman feels like something's changed like forever. Oh, four, five. I don't mean something. I mean like like Thirteenth Avenue, the way it looks right now, or walking through the sukkah above to get in the shul. So. Anyway, the reason why I asked is because I've noticed, I've had a lot of, you know, a lot of people talk to me during the week, and, uh, where, you know, wherever I am, like, people are asking for an hour or half hour or whatever. A lot of them are shalom bias issues where she's ready to leave and the husband's like, we ain't going nowhere. And, and the, uh, but it's very interesting, why? Uh, because of the Noshim Tzidkanis. That, it seems that the women are like, get us out of here. And the men are like, you know, the men are busy, so invested in their <laughs> lives and making ends meet and uh, completely unresolved financial matters and work and mortgages and God knows what. And the women are just like, like, let's get out, you know. And the, and, um, so my wife, my wife actually came up with a, a nice idea. <laughs> she, she called it, uh, you ever heard of the video game Pac-Man? So this is Pac-Woman. <laughs> so she has this all figured out, that the women have to get all their papers in order, meaning everyone's passports, everything, uh, for Eretz Yisrael, and uh, also handle Eretz Yisrael paperwork. And, and they have to pack... A suitcase for every nephish in the house, besides the husband, because we all know we're just going to go. Let's go. Which makes women so jealous, you know. My wife's getting ready for 45 minutes. She's already been in four outfits. And in Israel, we have full-length mirrors. She can't figure out Brooklyn, where no house has full-length mirrors. Just She just doesn't understand how women get dressed. And, and the... Um, Sorry, I'm losing track here. Um, but the the bottom line is that you pack a suitcase for every nefesh. 
And in that in that suitcase is a Mashiach outfit. Do you know about Mashiach outfit? You know that tradition? So you have an outfit that you're going to wear for Mashiach. You're never to wear that, by the way. That's only for Mashiach. My wife's had a... I think many of my girls have Mashiach outfits. My wife definitely has had one. And uh, you have a Mashiach outfit from Mashiach Comes. Uh, one Shabbos outfit, two, two Shabbos outfits, and three Vachaviks. And for every kid in the family. And then you put it in your storage or in the attic. And what happens if all the women do this, Hashem's, Hashem's watching, Hashem's, you know, Hakol, Yachol, you know, He's watching and He's like, ah, wow, wow. You know, like, it's moving. It's moving. And so, anyway, this is her ideas. She called it Pack Woman. And, but it's, but it's true that the women's job is, is to protect the kids. And it's trying times. And, and, um, but if you want my personal opinion about whether the pl- plug's been pulled, um, <laughs> first of all, we don't even know who's going to be the president. So, so it's like, if it's Trump, no plugs being pulled for a good four years. Except there's probably going to be massive rioting, and that could be, that could be, you know, that could be the end. Um, so it's either going to be a quick end with that, but if it won't be the end there, and you know it's under control, so then, uh, so then if Biden wins, then if whatever thing that people are so afraid of happening to the world because of socialists leading. The U.S., which is really, really bad and really bad for the Jews, the um, if it happens, it's going to take them a good year or two to really kind of close in on on what happens when socialists take control. It's not good news that people have been giving up their civil liberties for the last nine months, like massively. Like the whole thing about the U.S. is civil liberties. That's like that's. How does the Frumoylem get to walk around Borough Park like they own the place? And Lakewood and, you know, we walk around like we own the place. And the answer is, individual civil liberties have been the best thing that ever happened to us. That's from Yidin. But, I mean, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but people have just given back the power. When the power goes to government, even if the government's pretty nice, it's just a matter of time. There's never been a period of time where power went to a government at the expense of individual civil liberties, and it went well. It never goes well. And it certainly doesn't go well for us, meaning for for me, because it's group identity, and and we're like, I mean, we are just, if they had any idea of our hishkafa, I mean, they would start with us. Um, Thank God they don't know their first thing about Yiddishkeit. You know, but we're like the Amma Mivchar, that doesn't go over well, but thank God we say it in Hebrew, you know. I'm a Mifchar. Now, um, they make Trump look like Obama you know, when it comes to racism. Um, anyway, so I think we're pretty good right now. Seriously, I think we're pretty good. I don't think anyone has to do anything crazy. And uh, we can hang tight a little bit. And uh, um, the one thing I always tell people is have a plan. Um, have a plan when you're leaving just as a as a sign of your amuna that Hashem is going to bring a gula. Um, let's say you made a three-year plan or you made a 10-year plan or you made a 20-year plan. You can get to the end of the 10 years and revise it for another 10. But no plan? And I know there's not a man in here with a plan. So you're walking around davening every day and kibbutz gulias and like you're, you're, a, you're a bluffer. You understand? You're a bluffer. You know, because you have no plans. And and I know that the Hashkafa is that Mashiach is supposed to come and bring you back. But, you know, going to Chazal and maybe, maybe, you know, that, let's see how old your Mashiach saving Brooklyn and, you know, Muncie um, versus Chazal's on Yisrael being there already. And you'll, you will lose badly if you go against Chazal. Your Hashkafas are, are it's like wet paint from like the last 70 years um, versus Chazal. Okay? Don't even try it. So, so the, uh, anyway, 
So don't be a bluffer. Make a plan. Again, revise it for another 10 years. Make a 30-year plan. And you're going to revise it for another 30 years. At the end of 30 years, you'll make another 30. But have a plan. And also give your wife the security that that your, your eyes are towards um, securing the family in the most un- unstable. It's at unstable times by... There was never a time since the war that there was a time this unstable. Never was. You know that. You know you don't need a white beard to know that. Never was such a time. And um, since the war, seventy years, in all seventy years since the war, we're in the most unstable times. So, so give your wife the bracha that you made a plan, revisable plan, and uh, and give her that sense you're taking care of the family anyway. It'll make her respect you so much, and she'll feel so safe. And, and she'll also, uh, uh, the more a woman respects the more, and feels protected, the more they love. So it can only be good. It can only be good. Now, um, so how do, you say, how do you say no and still, mean, and still <laughs> mean yes? How do you say no and feel like you said yes? So the issue is like this. You guys okay over there on the... Air conditioner. So, the you look like you're sitting in a Schwitz or something. The second this class ends, I'm going to the Schwitz. Yeah, and I'll like make my pace right for right for skia. So, the um, what were we talking about? Oh, so the issue is is that when you say yes, when it should have been a no. When it says yes and it should have been a no, so you f- obviously you feel like a doormat. You feel like a schmata. I mean, you, you, you have no self-respect. And we could go a little deeper. I'll go a little deeper. Why would you do that? Why would anyone say yes when it's a no to you? Like as if, as if you're not important in this equation? You're not important? So, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's insane. You know, and, and what good are you for people if you became a shmata? What good are you for your kids? What good are you for anyone if you're just, if you're the yes man or the, or the yes woman and, and you just come out, you know, and, you know when you're the shmata, you, 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 you don't have much left. And sadly, a lot of people are yes people outside the home. So when they're finally in the home, they're like, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're just completely, you know, broken. So, so clearly we have to have the ability to say no. That's super important that we can say no. Now, how do you say no and feel like you said yes? Is there's a rule. And it's not a difficult rule. The rule is simply, the rule is simply, when yes to them is no to you or your family, the answer is no. When yes to them is no to you or your family, the answer's no. Now, I say yes to everybody. Okay, I say yes to everybody. Sometimes my yes sounds like this. Um, hey, Rib Yomtev, can you um, can you come pick something up for me? I need it brought to such and such a place. No one ever asked me to do something like that, but let's just say. So the answer is the answer is no, but I'll get someone to do it, and I'll just immediately go on. <laughs> And get someone to do it. So the answer is really in the end, the answer was yes. Then it got done. Just wasn't done by me. Cause I, cause it was gonna be a no to me or my wife and kids. And so, and so the, the, the job is that whenever it's a no, there's nice ways of saying no. And, and you can always get other people to fill requests, not every time, but often. And, and when it comes to, for women, when it comes to kids and, and the husband, and then it's always yes. It's always yes. And then you get all like mysterious nefesh and like get resentful and stuff. But that's your tikkun. Yeah. Nothing ha- a great lesson. Nothing happens to you. Everything happens for you. It's for your growth. It's for how you're interacting, communicating and, and doing. Nothing ever happens to you. And yeah, that's, that's kafira. That things happen to you. Things happen for you. Everything happens for you. Bishvili, never Whatever you're going through is happening for you. 
and 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 it's only because of those things that makes you great. You know, you don't get made great sitting in a jacuzzi. You get made great when Hashem sends things for you that you got to deal with. Now, so so that's the basic principle. The ba- the basic principle is that that you um, that you that you say no when it's when it's no. Um, I want to share with you the deeper level. Like, why would we say yes? And the answer is very simple. Is that we want people to like us. We want people to like us. It's hard to say no. No one ever wants to say no. We want people to like us. We want to stay connected to people. And, um, you know, just now I was by the the Kiddush out there, the pre-Shabbos Kiddush. And the uh, and a dear friend of mine was coming in for a hug when I get the guy I was blocking him so the guy a guy was tapping me to shake my hand and I said to him just one sec because there's a hug happening and I turned around and he was gone and I you know so I memorized the look of his face to find him and apologize um, but we want people to like us and we don't want to hurt anybody. And so it's often our good midos that we don't want to hurt anybody, but it's also bad midos. Why? Because the real source of, of saying yes when it's a no, the real source of it is, is feeling unliked, unwanted, unloved. You know, it's like they're going to love me if I do this, and they're going to love me if I do that. And it, it's like, it's like, Somehow saying yes to people when it's a no is a promise of being okay in, in the eyes of others in the world. It's it's uh, you have to. Here's here's the point. If you want to be okay in the eyes of others or loved, it starts at home. It starts at home, meaning with you. And that's called being self-generated. So um, listen to this um, term, self-generated. Every person is generated from within, from a certain being. Like each one of you, like what you're doing is you're sitting and listening. But there's a a being inside where you're generating. And a self-generated person is someone who generates from within. You're created with Selim Elohim. So that should be good enough, you know. If I hooked up... uh, jumper cables to your earlobes we could power like all of Pennsylvania you're such a powerhouse by just being B'Tselem Elohim you know you're built in the ten spheres the whole creation is made of the ten spheres and you're made of that with Chochmah Bin and Das and the Chesgur and the ability to create and like you're, you're just massive problems we don't see ourselves like that you know especially especially the Hasidic community not to make fun of the Hasidic community but I think all of you started the Chumish at Parshas Neich. Machshavas Adam Rak Rak Meaning we're thinking so negatively about ourselves. And we're just we're just broken, just broken people. And um, and half that break came from like disappointing our parents, or our bubbas and our zaydus or whatever. And like you know, they they died for they lived for. Our communities and the Yiddishkeit, and and what can you do? You know, you're an American in the end, and so you, you just can't help but disappoint Europeans. And and the uh, and so we, it's probably very much plays into us feeling crummy about ourselves a lot of the time, and um, and not to mention the fact that you don't you don't actually experience their love, and when your parents are alive and you're not experiencing their love, you're like. You're like an Ethiopian with, with, you know, Ethiopian starving people with the swollen skulls and the distended bellies, which I shouldn't even bring up Ethiopians. We've all seen pictures after the war of Yid who had the swollen skulls and the distended bellies and the toothpick arms and the, you know, but we're like that when we're missing the love of our mothers and fathers. The mama and tata are, are, please God, I hope for you, they're with you. But you're not with them because it's like so heavy. And that's what I do in the possible you. You know, their, their dream, the leaders of uh, Shabbos Kirtani, their dream of creating Shabbos Kirtani was that 
was that the participants would come do the Pasabiu. That's uh, This was created for that. It's become its own, you know, it's become its own animal. I mean, it's just such an amazing Shabbaton that it's taken on its own, like, momentum. But it was originally created that the families, meaning individuals, but better couples, come to the Pasabiu and finally get complete with the filtering out of their mama and the filtering out of their tati and because we're so protected all the time from whatever is water went under the bridge between us and our parents and all our needing to protect and feel safe and not judged and and it's like <sighs> about once a year maybe once every two years um, I get a whatsapp saying that uh he says, he, I'm not going to say in first prison, because Baruch Shemaitati is 91, he should be well. I'll say in second prison, but in third prison, he said that his um, father suddenly passed away. And he sat with all his siblings, and he said, I just wanted to thank you, speaking to me, just want to thank you, because I was the only one of all my siblings that mourned my, that mourned his father. He says, the rest of them mourned the fact that they knocked him off years ago just to feel safe. So the, the, the morning's filled with shame. It's filled with guilt. And you, you never get complete with that until you do something radical, which I also lead people in, but that's not the possible you. But uh, I also lead people on some radical journeys that are much more intense to complete things that are incompletable. Because how do you complete that? Years missing from the, from the, from the nutrients, the actual vitamins and minerals of your essence, from the people who, who, without them, there's no you. I mean, this is like a hugely philosophical, psychological, emotional reality that without them, there's no you. And if you're not complete with them, you're, you're starving. And the amazing thing is, all of you are sitting there going like, well, I'd get complete with them, but I don't think they have the wherewithal to get complete with me. So guess what? Totally unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. You can get complete with people. I'm complete with my father. My father's a, my father's a business tycoon in L.A., Who's who's uh, you know the mansion and the I grew up with the mansion and cars all over this giant driveway and the swimming pool and a room just for sp- the pool table and a football field and a you name it I mean the, the driver and chef and I grew up in this in this palace and and it was crazy what was going on there and his he was always doing business because he's a businessman and he lived kind of vicariously through my brothers and I who just got to basically party all the time. So, and I traveled all over the world surfing. I was, I, I was writing, I was kind of chasing the biggest waves in the world. And um, so I spent a lot, of, at least once a month, I was overseas. And whether it was in Hawaii, or whether it was in Mexico, or whether it was in Europe, or Indonesia, Southeast Asia. So I was always surfing. And um, that's how I, that's why I'm up here, by the way, because I left school when I was 11. And, you know, you meet a lot of Bali Chuva, and they're generally unimpressive. Meaning they're just funny kind of people that are kind of cute. But they're just so cute. I mean, I, I think they're as, as cute as you think Bali Chuva, I think they're cute. But the reason why I'm up here and the reason why I do what I do is because I, I left school when I was 11. And that's made all the difference. I have experienced and... And I've, I'm, I'm an un, unadulterated experience. Of, I'm, my own experience of life is only experience. I didn't sit in classrooms where things were conceptual. I don't know how to conceptualize life like you might conceptualize your parents. But nevertheless, I did conceptualize my dad because he doesn't stop with money. To me. And two years ago, my father looked at me and he said, it goes like this. <laughs> I was like, what? He says... Very disappointing. 
And I'm just like, by the way, I laugh at this because I, I completed years ago. I completed um, 21 years ago with him. So it's, it, he hasn't, you got my point, he hasn't changed at all. And so I'm like, just for fun, I kept him going. So I was like, what's so disappointing? And he's like, I always thought you'd make it. Very disappointing. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, money. I mean money. And, and I, was, I was just like, it was probably one of the greatest moments of any conversation I've had with him in 10 years. It was awesome. And if I wished I had a, if I could have had a video of that, I would just treasure it forever because he, he's so sweet and he loves me so much that he can't stop talking about me surviving. Which is how we started this whole thing of making sure your family survives. Here's a man who believes surviving is money and can't stop loving me. He just won't let go. I'm in my 50s, for heaven's sake. Like, get over it, man. Like, like I'm not suddenly, like, dropping what I do and, and starting a, a business. <laughs> Which, by the way, I run a business, but that doesn't seem to count for him. And, I mean, the possible view is not cheap, you know, unless you drive a Lexus. So, so the, uh, anyway, but the bottom line is, the bottom line is, is that he hasn't changed a bit, but it is, it, the toxicity that I had to cut away from, do you know what my phone calls were like with my father? For 20 years, for 20 years, it was like this, it was like, it was like, hello, this was before caller ID, because I wouldn't have picked up, hello, dad, um, yeah, I, I, I can't speak right now, yeah, it's bad timing, yeah, I know I said that last time. Yeah, well, I, I gotta go to Mincha. I know it's 12.30. I gotta go. I'm sorry. We'll speak later. 20 years. Now, it makes sense, because, you know, in... First of all, you have to know, there's a little kid with a gun behind me saying, Tell him it's bad timing. Yeah, it's really bad timing. Tell him I gotta go. Yeah, I gotta go. There's a kid with a gun back there. Why? Because, because when you, at whatever point in your life, felt unsafe with your parents' agenda for your upbringing, whenever you felt that, so you automatically, from that point on, felt like your wings were clipped, like a bird's wings were clipped. And uh, when you get a parrot, you clip the wings so it doesn't fly away. Your wings were clipped. You were tethered to the earth even though you're a bird. And you never got to fly. And so, and so, and it's also, I feel like, I feel like, like, like I can't grow up. And so there's, so when I hang up with my father, though I'm 32 years old, you guys tell me, am I 32 or am I 9? Which one? How old am I when I do that? 9. That's a 9-year-old hanging up on his father, though in age I was 32. And that's what I call orphaning. See, normally the word orphan's a noun. But orphaning is also a verb. And we do it to ourselves. And we hurt ourselves in the process. And so 20 years ago, I created this program called The Possible You, where we are able to get in touch. Like, not just general, like I'm speaking now. You, on a personal level, without sharing it with anyone, you just sit in your seat and be quiet, please. But you sit there, and I take you through the exact filters, meaning what exactly were you saying. For me, it was, you know irresponsible nine-year-old incapable you know never gonna make it and notice I what did I do six to eight hours a day for 12 years straight all over the world what did I do I surfed 
someone's surfing for six to eight hours a day, are you expecting anything out of them? <laughs> like, if you wanted to find me, I'm, I'm 200 yards out into the Pacific Ocean. So here I am, riding waves all day, top elite levels of surfing, thinking that I love surfing. My whole... Ladies, gentlemen, brothers, sisters, your, your, your whole life's orchestrated around protection. You understand? Your whole life's just orchestrated around how to protect yourself. And the craziest thing is that you learned all your protective uh, strategies when you were just a little kid. I mean, I'm all about strategies. Earlier we were talking about strategies regarding safety in America. But adults make strategies, not nine-year-olds. Adult makes, adults make strategies, not some disgruntled 14-year-old who's tired of getting pushed around of whether he put on his film, Davenman. I had a Talmud in the seminar that said his father calls him to make sure his kids are saying Krishna. His Einaklach. And that is the number one way to make sure your kids never say Krishna. Number one way. But again, it's like I mean, let me let me put it like this. Let me just give you for your own parenting. Let's switch gears a little for your own parenting, because I imagine, just given the looks of you all, you probably have a couple of kids. So, unlike your American counterparts, where you're thinking about getting married in the next fifteen years. Um, so, the uh, so regarding your your own kids is. Um, uh, when they're little, obviously, you got to train them. That's when they're spongy, and you just fill them. You know, just fill them. And Baruch Hashem, my son grew up near Shalayim. You know, he's got all the player balkay. So anywhere we go, when we travel, he's the balkay, which is great. And um, so that's spongy time. But here's the thing. It's a deep principle. Listen carefully. The best parents fail, and the worst parents succeed. The best parents fail and the worst parents succeed. Sounds like a riddle, right? Best parents fail, the worst parents succeed. So listen carefully. The best parents fail in that they fail to stop parenting. So they're like great parents. But they clip the wings off their kids. And just a side note, no girl's going to ever respect your son if he's not a man. No girl's ever going to respect your son if he's not a man. And, and I'll go a little further since there's no bachrim in the room. No girl's going to respect him and if there's no respect, there's no attraction. You guys are old enough to know that respect and attraction always go together. Now, I have a chosen who's a total shepsala. Okay, I got a shepsala chosen. And my daughter's like forcing her respect, you know, for him. Uh, but something amazing happens. He has no patience for my Shabbos table. I understand. He's a punk, a Pittsburgher, mourning his Rebbe right now. And uh, he's a punk, a Hanyukashi Pittsburgher from the little shtetl over there in, in uh, Ashdod. So, anyway, so listen to this. The, every Suda, as soon as we're, like, as soon as I've, like, eaten my last piece of, you know, flanking or whatever from my chillin, the, uh, he says, uh, Tati, can we bench? In, in you know, Lashon this. Tati, can we bench? And I always say to him, because i got five daughters, I'm like, you've been baking all Friday. And so I'm like, um... Why don't we uh, have the dessert and then we'll bench? Because it's heartbreaking for girls when we bench and then, oh, we're going to bench and then have dessert. And they're just kind of like, you know, Hasidic girls, they're just kind of like, <laughs> you know that, you know that look. So, so the, uh, anyway, 
So every week I tell him at each meal, hey, we're going to eat dessert and then we'll bench. About a month and a half ago, he says, he says, <laughs> I told him again, he says to me, um, Tati, I'm leaving. If you want to zoom in, we're benching. And I kind of sit up in my chair with a, with a glimmer of hope and so proud of him. And, and I just said, you know, Nechami, bring me my mechainim. We're benching. He was so scared. He lost it. But he stood up for himself. He had to leave then. It was just time for him. He had to go. I walked the two of them out from Bate Borede, um, Motzi Shabbos, late at night, so I had my arm around both of them, walking them out so they could walk home to Schneller. And I'm walking them home. I walked them out. And I just looked over at my son-in-law, the little Shepsel, and I said, I said, I, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you. I've been waiting for a year for this. You're becoming a man. Gentlemen, these women cannot turn your son into men, okay? Only a man can give smecha to a man, okay? A woman can't make your son a man. And you ladies are like hopelessly overparenting. So, gentlemen, bar mitzvah is when it starts. Zip it. Be an amazing example of a bentera. Like, be a bentera. Like, let them see you with keeping your story and stuff. You know, be a, be a great example. But just, like, make a man out of that kid. Like, let him become the man that, that his wife will appreciate. There's only one catch to this: is he's got to go out early, like eighteen, nineteen, first for for a chupa, because you can't have two men in the same roof. Okay, so if you know some shidduchim get pushed off a bit, you know twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, oh, it's like you can't have two melechs on one on one, uh, you know, kise. Can't have two melechs on one throne. It's a disaster if you turn him into a man, but. Because he'll crush you, he'll crush you. The Sarasadibras are out the window. That's why. That's why they don't have ownish till they're twenty. Because because they would just get in so much trouble if you make a man out of them, you know. So. So, here's the point. How much parenting does an infant need? A scale one to ten. Ten. About a three-year-old scale one to ten. Nine point eight. Okay. Five-year-old, 9.2. Seven-year-old, 9.1. Ten-year-old, 8.6. But you notice something's happening here? What's happening here? Less parenting, more healthy children coming into the world. Your deepest, your deepest sipuk in life, I mean, besides several others, but your deepest sipuk in life is your independence. Why would you rob your children of that? Why would you rob your children of their own sense that they have, they have autonomy over their destiny in some way, shape, or form? I mean, we, we put so much on them. Give them some sense they exist. Beyond your, your facial expressions, which crush them probably more than your words. Facial expression could say a lot more than, than words. As they get older, they need less and less parenting, but they're, Baruch Hashem, we know that, we know the point where they don't need parenting anymore. And that point for 5,781 years, in, only in tribal communities, we're a tribal community, we're Shifte Ka, we're we're Shvatim. But all tribal communities in the entire planet end their parenting at Bagras. 12 for girls, 13 for men. Over. Whatever you've blown before that you can't fix anymore, and whatever good you can do for them as far as their derech, you're done. And you want to know what's going to happen. Something amazing is you're the safest home they know. I mean, 
classic question. What's safer? I'll ask the ladies. It's always fun to play on these poor ladies. What's what's safer? Your home or outside your home on the street? Which one? Yeah, they all said your home. What's safer, your home or a hundred yards outside your home? Your home. What's safer, your home or 3,000 miles outside your home? So, obviously, they're just going to keep saying your home. Your home is the most dangerous place there can be. Outside the home, yeah. I mean, there's cars, there's buses, there's, there's, uh, you know, obviously, you know, there's weirdos and, um, but, you know, that's a statistical improbability compared to what's going on in your house, which is a statistical total probability that you are their worst disaster. And you are unsafe. You are an unsafe mom and you're an unsafe dad. And, and, uh, and, you know, and they're human beings, so they're just going to instinctually go for safety, which is like that, like odd con hakuf of parenting. And, and then they'll wind up disconnecting and, and orphaning and missing out on their deepest nutrients. Not to mention the fact that Shalom Bias is going to be horrific for years until he finally, like, makes enough money that he comes home one day with a lease of some SUV and, like, you know, it's like the Marlboro Man just walked in the house. And even though that was not at all what she was looking for as far as a man, it'll do. You know, it'll do to have, you know, to have him come in, like, you know, with, like, leather boots or something, you know, like, big cowboy hat from his SUV lease. So, which is what the men eventually figure out. And, okay. But again, we're B'nai Taira. We're not, like, we're not from Pennsylvania. You know, we're, we're, these women have been dipped, dipped in, in Kedusha Vatara and Yerushalayim and, like, every kind of hushkafa of, of Taira and Mitzvahs. You know, to them, that's a man. And, and they, uh, and they appreciate the security also. I mean, I don't think there's any woman who doesn't, who disagrees to floating down 48th Street in a SUV. You know, like, they're happy to be on the float, you know, in the parade. So, they, you know, I know I, I got a Suburban for the Hasana, you know. And my wife was like, I could get used to this. You know, because I'm banging into everything with this gigantic car in Borough Park. What a disaster. I, I've never had a car in, in Brooklyn. Why would I? You know? So, but I had my family, which was amazing. It was so funny walking with my kids on 13th Avenue. I was like, I realized, like, some of my kids are a little machunadic. You know? Like, when you live with them in your house, like, it's cool. And in the shtetlach, you know, everyone's got a pekla in the shtetlach. But walking down 13th, where, like, everyone's supposed to be normal. <laughs> it's so funny, our Vodazor with normal. It's ridiculous. It's like, <laughs> have you ever met a, first of all, have you ever, ever met a normal family? <laughs> but even better, have you ever met a normal person? Like, it's rare to find someone normal. Yet we're all walking around that... You know, we've got to be normal. And that's why I love our shtetlach. I really believe after 26 years in a shtetl, you know, in a real Yerushalmi shtetl, I really believe after 26 years there that Hashem never intended to have multi-storied um, blocks. Because it's too many people per area that you no longer are in your neighbor's laundry. So you don't really know what's going on with them and they don't really know what's going on with you. And so we're all going to walk around with a poker face that it's all perfect. In our shtetl, everyone knows everything about everybody. Everything. And everyone knows that everyone knows everything about your home. Everything. And there's so much love and achtis, and we're there for each other, and it's like, it's like, it's warm. Now, I remodeled my house. I did a lot of work, because, I don't know, the Yemenites didn't understand that concrete 
actually dries. <laughs> so they made two-meter walls. So I like almost doubled the space of my house just by, you know, bringing in steel rails and getting rid of the walls. But the in in our um, oh, so while we remodeled, I moved to Shmuel and Navi by Dushinsky over there by Arzebir or whatever. <sighs> I was it was it was cold. It was cold. I couldn't take it. And being on a fourth floor, I called it the shelf. Like you put families on shelves in buildings. I've spoken about a lot of things here. <laughs> and I told you we're going to go a little more in depth. But I'm going to bring it all the way back home to our title of the class. Is the reason we say yes instead of no is because everything I just said. Because we're all like, you know what we are? We're all with like 50 stitch wound, 50 stitch wounds that need emergency care. But someone handed us a butterfly band-aid, which is like a whole personality we've created. And that's what we do in the, the Possible Use Seminar is we actually go through the personality. And, and after a while, you're like, why did I bother making this like complex personality? Which only causes more and more, more and more complex interactions in my life. You realize how complex your interactions are? It's ridiculous, and it's so unnecessary. But once you're protecting with a whole giant personality strategy you created, which has nothing to do with the beautiful child you were. Anyone here have a two-year-old son here? Two-year-old son? Yeah, anyone have a two-year-old girl? Okay, what's her name? Yitty? Gitty. Okay, and what's your two-year-old? Anyone here older with a two-year-old son? He's too young. Anyone older here with a two-year-old son? No, no one's here with like a bunch of kids, but one of them's two. <laughs> Fine, we'll just play with we'll play the we'll play with Gitty for now. Okay, you ready? Okay, listen up. Uh, how many other kids, Bohashem? So five other kids, five other kids. That's six with the parents. That's eight nefashos. Let's see who wins. You ready? Um, scale. Um, who wins most happy in the house? Yeah, just say Gitty. Your, your job is just say Gitty from now on. Because I know what you're going to say. Okay, just, But just say Gitty each time. And we all have a Gitty and we all have a Yankee, okay? So, so, okay, so happiest, right? Who wins uh, most expressive of sad, painful emotion in your home? Gitty. Hmm, maybe she has a little secret. That if you want to be happy, you also have to be sad. Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't just shove down pain and think you're going to be happy. It's the same valve. If you clog up sad, happy's clogged up too. Gitti knows the secret. Cry it out. And how's she doing about a minute later after she cries it out? She's happy. As long as you don't say it's nothing. If you say it's nothing, she goes nuts. You know, I was just with a family. They were saying it's nothing. I was visiting a family who the wife wants to go to Eretz Yisrael, and the guy's like, "Oh my gosh, save me!" And the um, and the their kid comes in screaming and crying. Why? Because their seven year old daughter didn't want to watch the kid anymore on the street. I mean, it's dark out there. There was no one around. He wanted to be outside. He comes in in a full screaming fit. The parents are like. Basically ignored him, told him it was nothing a few times or whatever. Kid just went louder and louder. I put my arms out to the kid. The kid never seen me in his life. Kid jumps into my arms, and I'm like, "You're sad because you want to be on the street, <laughs> and and you you uh, you know, and you and you you really you really love it out there." And he's like, "And you want to stay? You can just keep going. You want to stay out there?" And and and. You know, I just kept going and going and going, and the kid was so happy about 30 seconds later. Just hear me. Don't fix me. You know, like, I'm sad. Something's upsetting me. Why don't you let me know that you heard it? And then I'll be happy. Because I understand you're my parents and I have to come in. So, anyway, just another little hint. Okay, you ready for this? Happiest, Gitty. Okay, um, saddest, Gitty. Um, who's the most self-expressed? 
I mean, don't forget. Doimim, so meach, chai, and what are we called? Medaber, self-expression. Like, that's, that's your mahus. I mean, you're a expressor. And somehow the two-year-old wins. Giddy won that too. Um, tell me, who has the most energy in the house and vitality? Like, almost doesn't even need to eat. Doesn't seem to need tons of sleep. You know? I mean, she passes out eventually, but who needs, who needs the least food and the least sleep in the whole house, but seems to have the most energy? Which one? What's going on over here? Gitsy's just winning every category of your dream as an adult. Gitsy's winning every category of your dream of an adult, and she's running through the finish line with an Olympic gold medal, and you're like, you're like, like you already fell over on the third lap and are like crushed by the other runners. There's a beautiful child inside of you. There's a beautiful child, and and that child is just waiting, waiting for you to finally wake up and embrace her and him, and get clear. I mean, you got a label, and you need language to understand yourself. Most most people, you know, there's a guy who runs a seminar called Journey to Home, which is uh, you know an intensive like cried out, like vomit out all your emotional toxins. Very intense. Am I, am I over time? Yes. Doctor? Um, it's, ext- okay, I'll finish. It's, anyway, it's extreme thing. So I, I was with him today that one of the biggest leaders of this, like, vomit out all your emotional toxins. I was with him today. And his name's Mo. And, and he says, he says, Rabbi Glaze, I can't tell you the difference between someone who did the possible and then comes to me, to my seminar, than the ones who don't, from the Hasidim. Why? Because the Hasidim come, I take them into full chaos, emotional release of all their pain. But they don't have any language to label anything, so they're lost. He says, everyone who comes from your seminar has language for their layers. They're articulate about themselves. They understand it. And when they do the deep work with me, it's three days of deep work. You don't have your phone, you don't have your watch, you don't even know where you are. And he says, when they do that work, they gain so much more because they already have a language for themselves. There's, there's a knowledge of themselves. And there's also, at the possible youth, by the end, there's tons of completion where you've completed with people in your life, like your parents. And suddenly the nutrients come in where they can even give you hell about your Yiddishkeit. Mine gives me hell about money. And you, you just think it's the cutest, sweetest thing in the world because they, and when's the last time any of your parents or Zaydis called your neighbor about their Yiddishkeit? Why do they keep bothering you? And the answer is because they love you just like my father. My father ever called you about your finances? Shalom everyone. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.